What's up, everybody? What is your what is your facial expression? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk podcast. I was gonna <laughs> introduce myself, but Chris is looking down at the floor like there's some creepy man in there with him or something. I'm not quite I'm sure. Blinking, I'm doing. blinking SOS, dude. Come save my shit. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, I, I, these all these headphones. I'm just staring at a, a freaking graveyard of wireless headphones that my wife has crudely freaking ran down to zero percent battery. Yeah, that sucks, dude. That's uh, it's all she's good for, dude. Just running <laughs> yeah. down your headphone batteries. <laughs> That's what they call her, battery drainer Vaughn. Uh, Here we go. Let's crack these babies open. Oh yeah, we- so we got a we got a beer review this week. Um, Chris, uh, you know, every single time he he prematurely cracks it up. So go ahead, I know you want to. I just right. prematurely popped, Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the I don't know if we'd call him famous or infamous. I, I'm not sure, but he's a, a rabid wet boy. Yeah. Aaron. Aaron. Did Kimball. you say rabid? Yeah. Did you say rabid or or what did you I say? I said rabid. Yeah, rabid. Oh, okay. He's he's a he's a rat. I don't know if that's a, a proper description for him, but we're gonna roll with it. He's a rabid wet boy, Aaron Kimball. Uh, yeah. He's he sent us. Um, very unique looking beer. It's a pretty cool mm. label. It's by Brew Dog Brewing out of um, Columbus, Ohio. Yes. It's um, the Iron Maiden Hellcat. It's, it's a very aggressive it's a, beer. It's a badass beer for some badass dudes. <laughs> uh the description says Iron Maiden and Brewdog unite to launch Hellcat, a feisty India pale lager where hops and malts collide. Hellcat rages with a citrus forward flavor with a no less aggressive multi backbone. The result is a hazy gold IPL hmm, with an epically complex balance brewed in the usa hellcat joins the global trooper of family beers crafted by maiden vocalist and beer aficionado bruce dickinson bruce <laughs> bruce i had uh, no idea the, that... you're talking about the bruce dickinson okay <laughs> oh hell yeah dude bruce dickinson. the bruce dickinson i'm gonna stand here in front of the bruce dickinson and argue with him about not needing more cowbell. <laughs> when All Bruce right. Dickinson says more cowbell, you get more cowbell. I agree. That's I believe that that is the music producer referenced in that very famous SNL skit, uh, which is, is really for the Blue Oyster Cult with yeah. um, uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Um, well, he was the producer though in that. I believe he was Bruce. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Christopher um, Walken was Bruce Dickinson. That's interesting. And uh, you know, you like how, like, uh, sometimes I come across as a pretty intelligent guy, 
And you're like, man, that was pretty cool that he just said that. But in reality, what I just said to you in a very smart way was a stupid character from a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> you have no that's, idea. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that not was. smart. That's dumb that I would even know that. I should have kept that, was, that to myself. So it really, it really was Bruce Dickinson then. That's well, Bruce Dickinson is a is a uh, he's a maiden vocalist and beer aficionado. I would say he was when they say maiden vocalist. I would say he's the lead vocalist for Iron Maiden, right? Could be. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not even right about saying that Bruce Dickinson was Christopher <laughs> Walken's character. We'll, we'll we'll fact check that here after the show. There's probably um, some some SNL creeps out there just loving that I'm wrong about this. All right, I gotta crack this one. The microphone here it goes. Oh, that was a good crack, dude. That was good, dude. You cracked that well. So I've never had an India, uh, or I'm sorry, an American India pale lager before. It's actually very interesting. I haven't either. It's a, it's like, um, it kind of has this, the start of an IPA, but it doesn't have the bitterness on the end of it. It has like more the kind of creaminess of a lager. Oh, I was right. The sketch featured guest host Christopher Walken as music producer the Bruce Dickinson. Dude, you're there you go. I mean, the the your ability to pull the random information from the recesses of your freaking brain is yeah. second to none, dude. I know. I just pulled Dickinson out of my pants and you didn't <laughs> even know that. <laughs> you you and you and and between you and Andrew, dude, you guys could yeah. like you could Andrew's way smarter than me. Like he, Andrew might have more facts in his head. I don't know if he's smarter. That's a stretch. I I would say I consider you a very intelligent guy. Uh, Thank you, dude. Maybe one of my smartest friends, and I have you know I have several medical doctors here. Learned doctors. Uh, say, no, I, I and, Andrew's one of those guys that knows about stuff that I want to know about. That's why I think he's so smart. Because like I fancy myself a bit of a an outdoorsman, you know? And mm-hmm. I think like, oh, I got this like thing figured out. And then Andrew will just like point to like eight different types of bushes that I didn't even know existed. And will, like oh, tell well, you a bunch of facts yeah. about it. Now, when you're talking about wilderness knowledge, I would say he is probably the most knowledgeable guy that I know from a wilderness perspective. But then it depends on what it is. Like a uh, guy we're going to actually have on next week, Reed Morehouse. He's a pretty smart dude. Oh yeah, uh, got a lot of knowledge. Um, What's going to be the uh, the secret episode, dude? You haven't even told me what what he's going to come on here and discuss. Well, he actually asked me last night. He was like, "So what are we going to talk about?" And I was like, "Well, that I, I was like, that's up to you, man." I was like, "You got all this wealth of knowledge, right? You got to pull something out of your butt to in- mm. interest our fans." But uh, the one thing he actually does want to talk about. It's very cool. He's been aging some smallmouth scales. Um, I like from, that. Yeah, and he he told me a little bit uh, a few weeks ago about it. Uh, some age, like he has some. He hasn't. I guess he hasn't done like the full project, but he's like in the middle of it. Um, he aged some smallmouth from Indiana that Chad Miller actually gave him scales from. Those ones that George Verusio. Um, oh, okay. Bought. And. Uh, uh-huh. 
they're way older than I thought they would be. So don't spoil it, dude. Don't you dare. Well, uh, you gotta... no, that's that's pretty cool. All of our episodes with with Reed are pretty good. Well, I'm sorry, Doctor Morehouse, dude. I'll put respect. I'll put respect on that name all day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all of our episodes with Doctor Morehouse are are freaking top notch in my book. So pretty yeah, happy to have a... him back on. Yeah, it'll be so, an episode for sure. Um, so tonight's ep- tonight's episode today's episode is brought to you by River Rat USA. You can't spell raft without rat. That's right. I do so, see I put that on our story. I did. <laughs> that it yeah. was copyrighted by you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Brian, for letting me copyright that slogan. Uh, he's like, no, I, we don't want that. You can keep, you can keep that one, Chris. <laughs> uh, no, thanks. Thank you to Brian for, uh, you know, for, for being like a father to Josh. And yeah. sponsoring this podcast. Very thank you very much. And thank you. Thank you for the uh great fishing vessel. And uh speaking of fishing vessels, dude, we got a little little update. We did we did some we did some um uh I'm trying to think of the word I'm uh looking for. Just, we did some some shuffling around. Some boats. selling swap shop. Yeah, dude. Did you ever uh, listen to that on the radio when we were kids? I did, dude. That my dad used to listen to it and buy stuff all the time and sell stuff all the time on there. That was which that is, was Craigslist before Craig. It was so bizarre, right? It like, really you, was. Yeah, I remember it, listening to it like there was a okay for well, I don't this may be like a thing that everybody knows about and I just think was like a stupid local thing. I I can't tell. Um but there was a there was a radio station that played the Morgan County sell and swap shop. It was essentially a, uh, Craigslist slash garage sale where people would call into the radio station and advertise things that they had <laughs> for sale and give out their phone numbers. <laughs> really Very what it was, weird. was an exposure to the complete psychopaths that lived within your County because yeah, it was, Yeah. I would it was agree. fun though. I we bought stuff off of that, of course. We, Josh and I are from the same brand of white trash, so <laughs> we have a lot of these features in common. We do, yes. I remember my out being out in the um, shop with my dad, and he'd had he'd have it playing over the radio, and something would come on there. He's like, "Oh, oh, a, a new trap! I need a new lawnmower!" And he'd like run yeah. over and like write down the guy's phone number. Yeah, and then did he you get sold that stuff on there? Did you get that last number? Did you, this is how enthusiastic my parents would get about it. They would call the radio station and ask for the number to be like, if they didn't get it, They're like, Oh, can't let this dude. moment pass me by it's commitment. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to ask you something real quick. So we got, um, a new hat here and I want, I want you to rate it live on a oh, scale dude. from, from zero to 10. All okay. right. 10 being, the best, and I want you to give an honest. Let's do of let's it. do smallmouth inches again because that's that's the okay. theme of the show. Fair that's, enough. We'll Fair do twenty three is the creme de la creme. Okay, uh, so so this is uh the FlexFit one ten hat that you like. Okay, um, you know the same one, the smallmouth or small jaw syndicate hats got me turned on to those. And you're um, looking for an honest review here. You're not looking for you're not looking for 
No, <laughs> I want an honest review. I haven't it's seen a, it yet. So it's in a Cheegan hat. Um, okay. Haven't launched. I got this. Is actually the old. This is one of one right now because they're it's being one of one. made. Damn. One of one. And right. um, yeah, so you sort of seen this design, but not on a hat. So let me know what you think of that. Oh uh, yeah, I like that. I like it a lot. So well, I like that tag, too. Tag back there. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I dig it. Can yeah. I tell them what? Can I tell them what it is? Yeah, go ahead. It's just a black hat with the word "smallies" written across the front of it, and then on the back near the buckle is it's got a little the Ashigan thing on it, little seal there. I dig that, dude. I dig it very hard. Yep, it's got a so it's puff embroidery. So they put like foam underneath the embroidery and it like raises the letters. You know what I like? I think I like about that is that I I feel like I could just wear that hat out and about. Yep, I agree. It it's not like a fishing hat. It's like yeah, because I I the other day I was like looking through my hats because we were going out to dinner and my <laughs> you didn't have my hair is the top of my hair is falling out. I don't know if you can tell that based on this webcam, but I'm pretty sure I'm going bald <laughs> rapidly, and. Don't tell my dad that because my dad, I swear, that would be the happiest moment of his life if I went bald. He's <laughs> been telling have... me I'm going bald for years. It would be hit, I, you, you would join him in the bald club, dude. I don't want to join him in that club, dude. <laughs> I'd rather stay in the hair guy club. I think you got a, I, you got a solid like two or three years left where you're going to shave that <clears> bad yeah. boy. I don't know. But, anyways, the front, you can see it just, it's migrating to the back of my head but uh anyways what was i even oh i was looking for a hat to wear and i literally only have like fishing hats so i was Mm -hmm. i was actually thinking i would just go buy a regular hat so the answer to that is buy another fishing hat that you can wear (laughs) no i mean that one i feel like isn't really a fishing hat i feel like it's just yeah all of my all of my hats have like a, a picture of a fish on them that's what I mean. Then we have a uh, second. It's a same thing. Oh, okay. I like oh, the hat better. Yeah. But I, yeah. I like that too. That's cool too. Yeah. But I mean, a toboggan, toboggan definitely has its place. I don't and by the way, this beer is like tits McGee here. This beer is very good. Like, like extremely I, good. I definitely will be buying some of it. Yeah, it's excellent. Because so. I feel like it's got kind of the like a... Uh, like the bite that you get when you drink like an India pale ale, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of like not as harsh, not as bitter. Yeah. have to look for IPLs, baby. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rate, I'm going to go ahead and rate both the hat. Yeah. Go ahead. And the beer the same. All right. What would you, what would you give it? I'm going to, I'm going to give them both 19 and a half. That's solid, dude. Very solid, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's solid. Congratulations to you and to, the Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> um, so I would say oof, it's going to be tough for me to give it. I would go 19 with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I good. I won't go 19 and a half. And the only reason I would give a 19 is I'm, I'm more of a dark beer guy. This isn't really a dark beer, but it's pretty damn good for what it is. Um, I would drink this. I would drink this you get a, a lot. 
<clears throat> you got to check out this. Uh, there's a beer that a, a listener sent me um, from uh, Arkansas, I believe, or Missouri. Uh, it's called Big, I think it's called Big Piney Brewery. I think he's supposed to be sending us some of those, right? No, I bought some for him. I'm sending. Oh, you did? Yeah, I sent him some. He wanted to send us some, and I, I had to, I had to kibosh it because he's already sent us beer. I'm not gonna have him send oh, us. Oh yeah, yeah. See, I was really confused. I was sort of like, I checked those messages, and I was looking through. I didn't understand what happened, but I was like, well, oh. if, if you didn't understand it, I doubt that he did. So he <laughs> might be sending us. Our our beers may pe- be passing each other in the mail, but anyway. So, uh, Piney Brewing Comp, Piney River Brewing Company, which is Josh and I have both fished the Piney. Josh has been on a few trips to the Big Piney. Uh, I've only been on one trip to the Big Piney, but it was actually our very first annual spring trip was to the Big it Piney was. River in Missouri. Um, yeah, you were in a canoe they, with my. Brother. I was in a canoe uh, with Josh's brother Danny. Um, but anyway, so the, the name of this beer is Bronzeback Pale Ale. So, and it's got this, it, it's got this small mouth yeah, picture it. upon it. Pretty cool. Yeah. So anyways, I thought all the beer guys, small mouth guys could go check that, uh, that little thing out. Pretty neat. Um, so yeah, we did to get back kind of to the, the thing that you were hinting at. We did, we do have a little, little swap meet going on here. Um, I don't yeah. know if you, you, I don't even, I feel a little self-conscious about this, honestly. Why? I don't know. I just do. Like the fact that you're making the purchase? The fact that I'm making another, a purchase. Yes. Any purchases. Hey dude, you deserve it, bro. You work hard. Don't be, don't be acting like you got to be shy about your success. I mean, I I'm happy for you, dude. I'm I'm excited to see it. I mean, and if you have a problem with that, I'll announce it. Um, go ahead, announce it. Chris is um. Well, we did two things. One, Chris ordered a new boat, and we'll talk about that. But two, I bought Chris's old boat, the the G three, which I'm freaking pumped about. So we uh, I'm pumped that I'll still get to see it. It's like yeah. Dude, it's I like love it's that going. Boat. It's like a dog that you give to a friend. You just like get to get still go <laughs> see it. You know, yeah. Uh, you can pet it every once in a while. Come over and feed it if you. I like. might even be able to get inside of it every once in a while. <laughs> you can, you can, <laughs> you can get inside of it anytime you want. <laughs> you just come. Uh, you come down in the morning to go to work, and I'm just sitting in the boat. In the boat. <laughs> hey, you know, I just had to get uh, inside of her one last time. <laughs> well, like so consequentially i'm selling my boat that i haven't really used much my little jet john so i took pictures of it tonight um be putting it up here soon so if anybody's in the market for a 1442 express jet john i'll be getting getting that thing moving and i bought chris's g3 which like i said i'm super pumped about i'm gonna put a uh, swing away tongue on that thing by the way so i can fit it in my garage are you um, sure it's gonna fit so the original boat I bought was the same size as yours. So and it fit? Uh, if it fit, if I put it in there like diagonal, um, but because this already has a breakaway tongue on it, by the way. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, okay. Well, they, yeah, I'm sure it'll. All fall. you got to do is you're going to have to buy a new pin for it because mm-hmm. the pin that's in it now is like soldered in, so you could blowtorch it out and buy okay. it. Yeah. But it is a breakaway tongue, so. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, so I got the G3, so I'm going to be a proud new owner of uh of the the G3. It's 1860 with the 9065 jet. Chris uh ordered himself a um stealth craft stealth weld, which is a badass boat. Uh, the thing that I was most impressed with is the three sixteenth inch thick bottom it's she's thick she's thick where it counts it's gonna be a thick bish dude <laughs> and uh i think you're doing a is it a 11580 on it yep yep 11580 um, merc oh so, merc yep they're and, building uh, it out oh, we're already paid for it i'm pretty amped yeah. up dude i'm not gonna lie yeah. that's pretty cool dude i'm i'm excited for you um and we'll you know, I think at the end of the day, it'll be cool for us to have two like really functional jet boats that we'll be able yeah. to take about anywhere. Um, and I was, you know, texting about maybe doing a trip to the old Susquehanna this yeah, summer. Man. Be pretty fun. Or we could we could run them on the upper Wisconsin, especially, you know, what would be kind of fun is do a different section of the upper Wisconsin with those because I know down further downstream from where we were at it's a lot more of a boatable area yeah so oh that'd be fun dude down there that lower lower wisconsin those uh i think it's what is the name of their thing their outfitter there's a black angling yeah i wasn't talking about that far down they've got that thing down there that looks pretty cool the uh they call it the crash you should go check out if you if you listen to this podcast, you should go check out Black Black Earth Angling Company. They've got a specifically, I mean it's kind of a guide company, but they've got like some pretty good videos. They've got this situation that happens down there where they get like big schools of smallmouth, so like 40, 50, 60 smallmouth or more just kind of start busting shad. Looks pretty Do you cool. You know where we've never went down is in like below Merrill. Right. Wisconsin. That's where I was thinking. I've I know like there's a dam there, and you can run all that with a jet. So it might be kind of fun to explore that up there. It'd be uh, fun, man. I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. I'm looking forward to looking forward to it. You know, it's gonna be uh, yeah. I'm pretty amped up, just to be honest. So yeah, I, dude, I kind uh, of last year I bought this boat. I wasn't sure how much we would use them. I use mine a, a ton. So, and you know, it's good for the family and stuff. So I'm looking forward to yeah. getting this one. And yes, that I was same thing for me. It wasn't, you know, for us, uh, the jet boat was sort of a next evolution, but we weren't really sure. Um, you know, and for me, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like, um, biased about what boat to use. I'm not like, a kayak guy or a raft guy or whatever. I just like fishing. I like catching fish and I like fishing in rivers. And it's sort of one of those things we talk about, you know, the proper tool for the job. And, um, I wasn't sure how often the jet would be the proper tool for the job around here. And we ended up 
you know, ended up being a pretty good fit for a lot of rivers we fish. Not everyone, you know, but uh, used it more than I thought. And I really enjoyed fishing out of it with you, specifically the winter trips, the tippy and the the trip we took in the fall to the Muskegon River. And uh, dude, that we had a blast. Um, oh, yeah. And that thing. So, yeah, sort of convinced me to get something bigger for the family. And um, I was already sort of looking at a couple boats. And <laughs> I don't, I apologize to Ashley if my text about Uh-oh. that one, Locked that up. one in Virginia prompted Locked your. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I'm I'm amped up about it. I think uh, my boat should be here like in June. So I've already got one kind of big trip planned with it. So I think since I can't get any of my freaking diehard fishing buddies to go do this crazy trip I've got planned, I'm going to, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to get old daddy up there, dude. I'm going to have to get daddy out on the. I haven't heard anything about this plan. I don't know what you're talking about. I've, I've talked, well, I'm not, I'm not going to disclose the, the details of this, of this trip because I think it's, I think it could potentially be groundbreaking the trip that I've got. Oh planned. Yeah. You text me about last night. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, man. If I, I'm more power to you. I would, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. Just, it's all about oh, I think I think you're going to get one report and you're going to go do it. All right. I think it's just, I think you're just a little, little cautious little bunny, dude. You just don't want, you just don't want to walk out on the ice with me. I'm asking you to freaking grasp my, the tip of my penis and walk out upon the ice with me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now when you put it that way i mean that really makes me want to do it <laughs> uh, all right dude let's get into this topic because i think that uh you know what we try and do with these podcasts is we try and weed out all the people that really aren't sure if they want to listen we give them garbage <laughs> for 25 minutes and then we get into the content here so uh, oh, before we do that, though, I do want to read. We have a couple of new reviews on iTunes. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, dude, and follow us at Smalley Talk Podcast uh, on Instagram. But we have a, a review from Brad Hicks, which uh, he's a... Uh, I think he hosts another fishing podcast, so... He does, Paddle and Finn. Scourge to you, Brad, for hosting another podcast, dude. You're cursed. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Brad Hicks, good guy. Uh, guy from Ohio says smallmouth as the topic or the subject boners for smallmouth. So go <laughs> check out Brad Hicks fishing on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Brad's a great, Brad's a gay. I, um, what? He's, he's a gay guy. Is that what you just said? <laughs> no, Brad's a great guy for sure. Uh, go check out Brad Hicks fishing. Um, and then we've got one here from, I can't be certain, but I think that this guy may, might have left us a review a long, long time ago. Um, guy who always has a water bottle. Does that sound familiar <laughs> to you? Um, yeah, I think it's something about the peeing sound. Huh? Oh no! What? I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know. There, the guy. There's a. That's the name of the person who left the review. Guy who has a water bottle, or guy who always has a water bottle. I don't. Know. I swear, I, I that name sounds weirdly familiar. I think we've. I think he's left us a review in the past. But anyways, we'll take it. Love the bass of color. You can take the wet boy out of the river, but you can't take the river out of the wet boy. Coincidentally, 
either. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> I really wish I would have read that whole thing before I read it back on the show. <laughs> I kind of was, uh, I should have maybe read that one in advance. So <laughs> I'm can, sorry to can, everybody. We can always bleep that out, so it's no problem. Yeah. Um, Go follow yeah. Brad Hicks Fishing and uh, Guy Who Always Has a Water Bottle <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, so um, we do it. We actually have a, a hotline message from a couple months ago. I wanna, I wanna do. So I'm gonna hit play and put this in the microphone, and um, hopefully we can all hear it. Okay. Yeah, um, this is, uh, my knowledge, the uh, first call-out um, on this uh, Smiley Talk podcast. Um, probably not going to put it on there, probably because you're too scared. But um, you might want to go ahead and get your trash bags ready. Um, don't, don't, get the, don't get the little white ones that break easy. Get the hefties because it's coming out hard. Um, me and my buddy versus you, you two, um, we're in the Charleston, West Virginia area, and I know you guys are in the Indianapolis area, so let's meet in the middle and let's uh, let's get down to it. Uh, Chris, you can bring your six-foot box trailer full of flukes, and um, or maybe that's no, that's that's Josh. Chris, you bring your freaking shaky fly rod, and uh, we'll get down to it. And uh, yeah, you guys are probably you guys are done for. I mean. It's, 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 it's a no-brainer. Uh, let's get down to it. Message me on Facebook. Connor Gandy, C-O-N-N-O-R-G-A-N-D-E-E. Or you can message my buddy at Braden Campbell on Facebook. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll get it set up. And um, I already plan on taking the win. So, yeah, get back with us. Dang, dude. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like the South having that much pride in themselves, all right? <laughs> Let's go, dude. I mean, I'm not going to say this. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily have to do this, but I will. I will, I will invoke... I mean, the North has already defeated you once, dude. And we will, <laughs> we're not bashful about doing it again. So, sorry, I had the best of my volume there, boys. Um, but anyways, dude, thank you very much for leaving us that very kind, encouraging message on our... That was, that was from October, the end of October. So we got, we, we, I feel like we have to reply at this point. Thank you, Connor, for leaving us a message. I will not be fishing with things other than my fly rod this year. Connor, thank you, though. I appreciate that. He did. He <laughs> said you could bring your fly rod. Ah, okay. Didn't you hear nice. me? He said, he said I could bring my six-foot box trailer full of flukes, and he originally said your name, and he was like, no, wait, that's Josh. He's I like, heard Chris, that you can, you can bring your gay fly rod, is what he said. Oh. <laughs> now, now, that is just a little hurtful. To be frank, I say we 
We tell them we're in kayaks, we bring the jets, and we freaking swamp their asses, dude. Well, if he's from West Virginia, I think the best approach is maybe to just take a bunch of pill bottles filled with rocks and just shake them really hard. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be quite distracted. Oh my gosh. Well, we just lost all of our listeners from West Virginia. (laughs) That's all right, dude. Huger, you know, you guys can, we get plenty of shit talked about us. As Huger's. I mean, Huger is literally a term for idiot in the Ozarks, which we found out in the Ozarks. Yeah, I like, I don't know how that's even possible. Well, I mean, I could walk down the street and give you a few examples. I mean, Uh, it's, it's not good. I mean, I don't normally condone this type of. I tell you what, this is how insignificant that challenge was. I don't even remember the guy's name. Connor Gandy. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. You're doing a. Oh, you're doing a thing. I was, <laughs> oh, I was doing a thing. Uh, <laughs> I've been. I've been just repeating it like McGruber for the last five minutes. Connor Gandy. Connor Gandy. Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll hit you boys up. We'll see. No, that sounds like we'll fun, see. man. We'll see what it do. Um, I kind of like the idea so, of uh, a bunch of people just like calling us out for the rest of next year. Just like, I do challenge. Too. You've already I mean, been challenged. We had we had an official fly challenge, fly yeah. ver, fly boy versus fly boy. I pretended um, to not see that. <laughs> I, <laughs> you got a challenge uh, from from that guy, so that's two challenges. I I feel like I feel like at some point we're gonna have to defend our honor, dude. I mean, we are we are like gentlemen, so if we need to duel, we can duel. I just you know. We may die. <laughs> we may be dethroned and die. Yeah. I'll I like the name. idea of me just I'll only like having ever done one challenge and just rising victorious, dude. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Um, well, so are we going to do this? Are we going to do this topic? Or yeah. Are we just going to? I mean, we're no, 33 we're, minutes in. So oh we, no, we're I think. Definitely, we're definitely doing the topic. So, because um, that's the title of the episode. So, well, it doesn't have to be. You can change the you can change the episode title. Nah, we got it. We got it. It's no big deal. This is this will be the meat of the episode. Um, so we talked about this, doing this for a while now. But we what we want to do is basically do our top presentations of last year. We're gonna rank them. Um, I was gonna do top ten, but Chris uh, wanted to whittle it down a little bit and do top seven because I think his. <laughs> His his fly offerings a little bit less diverse than us conventional boys. Um, Mine so, is so okay. Yours, yeah. Um, I was gonna say Chris is literally gonna be seven different colors of a game changer. <laughs> so <laughs> you got your you got your basic white. You got your <laughs> off white slightly. <laughs> you got your white with a rattle in it. Yeah, that's four uh, right there. So I know. Um, I, I will say I'm going to, I want to list my like top, you know, seven presentations and I'll be very specific for those gear heads out there as far as like, if you, you know, want to know the exact brand and, and weight and all that stuff, I'm going to list that for mine. I don't know if Chris will get that specific, but with that said, um, I'm going to do some honorable mentions on mine since I had a top 10 list. So 
Honorable missions for me. Let's see here. So we're going to do... You're going to um, do honorable mentions first? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they're not part of the list. So I'm going to do honorable mentions first, and then we'll go start at number seven. Why don't you do your honorable mentions at the end, dude? I don't I don't know if I like that. All well, right, mention them honorably now. Honorably mention them quickly. Um, we'll do, we'll, 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 uh, I'll do them afterwards. That's fine. No, um, go ahead. I mean, what color you rooster tail obviously is the first honorable mention. Mep, Mep spinner. <laughs> Mep spinner. Um, Pink. Um, no, no. So uh, a couple of that I had on here that didn't make the cut. Nico Helgermite. Um, so that's something that, um, I throw quite a bit and I usually do that on a, a Ned type of head, like a mushroom jig head. Um, uh, another one would be for this past year, uh, would be a Whopper Popper 110. Um, and I, my favorite color is Loon in that. I, um, didn't really throw that a lot this last year. And honestly, last year was, a uh, probably one of the, probably the most disappointing part of last year is we never really got a great top water bite, which, I don't know if you'll talk about that at all, but I've heard that actually from several people that topwater kind of sucked. And I actually think it had to do with the cicadas. The, it was like topwater was on for like a week and then it wasn't. And then like, if you didn't get in that window with the cicadas, it like, I don't know what happened. It like killed the topwater bite for me. Um, and then uh, probably my last, let's see here. Yeah, those are my, those are my only two honorable mentions. So. Uh, well, one of those was very honorable. The other, you know. Take it or leave. Oh, the Nico is honorable. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> Bad, you like honorable. that? <laughs> yes, dude. Um, all right. Well, those are good honorable mentions, dude. Thank you for mentioning them and, and thank you for doing it in such an honorable way. Thank you. All right. All right. You want me to go number seven or you go first? Go for it, dude. All right. My number seven. Top seven presentations from 2021 is Z-Man finesse jig. number number seven um i'm not going to go into colors on this one because i do like to throw a few different colors anywhere from i think green pumpkin i throw quite a bit um but to explain to you what that is it's basically a little eighth ounce um jig finesse jig on sort of a mushroom style head um, with a wire guard and i usually dress it up with a trd so it's sort of like a skirted net rig, essentially what it is. A couple things I do to it. Um, I trim down the skirt. So I always trim down the skirt. Probably I take about a third of the skirt off because I think they are way too long. Um, I trim it just to the bottom of the shank of the hook. It, yeah, and I saw your smirk there. You don't like long skirts. So um, I like okay. being able to look, look up those skirts really easy. So... <laughs> Um, I trim the skirt about, <laughs> by, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
uh, right to the bottom of the hook shank, and then I thread the TRD on. Um, and if you ever look at one, you you would it's one of those lures you look at and you're like, oh dang, yeah, dude, that that's gonna catch fish. Um, so what you do is you tuck the TRD up inside the skirt, and then it, yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like a trailer of sorts. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's exactly well what it is. Um, so oh, you're gross, dude. Don't make this gross. <laughs> don't please don't use your perversions to make this a not about smallmouth fishing podcast. Okay, I know, dude. Thank you. Please proceed. Yeah, I'm always trying. I'm always throwing <laughs> us off topic here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. So when I use it primarily, um, is going to be early spring. So I'm going to use it, um, usually from about really as soon as, you know, we start fishing the spring time. so like mid March all the way until probably early May. Um, and I like it for a couple of reasons. One, it still gives you the advantage of a Nedrig style, but, um, it has a, a bigger profile and in the springtime, you usually run into a lot of um, sort of cloudy, dirty water. So that's something that I found that finesse jig kind of pops a little bit more, but it's still compact and small, um, like a traditional Ned Rig. Uh, it has a slower fall rate than a Ned Rig, so it's going to sort of hang in the water column a little bit better or a little longer. And I found in the springtime, I I like my baits that sink a little slower than I do, um, in the summertime. Um, and you know, it's a jig. So jigs are a proven sort of thing that, um, we catch fish on. The hooks are nice. They're nice. Those nickel hooks. They don't put cheap hooks on there. And, um, yeah, just really a pretty solid, I had a lot of luck with that last year in the springtime. And then, you know, I'll usually pick it back up towards the fall. Um, and I don't use it as much in the fall as I do in the spring. But uh, yeah, so Z-Man 8th ounce finesse jig. So nice that's dude. my number seven. What about, what about your number seven <laughs> I feel fly? I like you bud? use that more than just in the spring. I feel like any time there's like stain on the water and you want to fish on bottom, you use it. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, probably. But I, I don't, I use it majority of time in the spring. Well, you don't like to fish on bottom, so. Yeah. I don't like to, but I do. So, yeah. okay. So. Number seven for me is also a bottom bait. So the Cohen's Helgramite, which is, uh, you know, it's just a, it's like a cutout, I guess. It's not really a fly that's formed with just purely like materials. Like there's like a, a felt cutout that they use to form the kind of the tail and body of it. But, um, you know, they come in a bunch of different sizes, a bunch of different weights. You know, I, we, I started using Helgramites just a couple of years ago. And I'll say that like, especially in a really spooky, um, you know, clear kind of bottom bite, you know, they're really good. I mean, like to the point where like, I, there have been a few times where I couldn't get them to eat anything else. And that's the only thing they would touch. So, you know, I like the black color. Um, I like brown too a little bit, but I would say definitely the black is what I prefer and I like the bigger ones. So I just, I fish them under a, uh, a strike indicator pretty often. 
So mm, love the strike indicators, dude. I I wish we could use those in conventional. Honestly, pretty big advantage. Yeah. So I fish them a lot under strike indicator, but um, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoy. I I enjoy. I would say the last couple of years, I've definitely I made a like a concerted effort. I think two years ago to really focus on fishing. You know, like crawfish and bottom bottom dwellers. You know, kind of kind of honing in my game a little bit on the bottom bite because I've always found that to be the most challenging way to catch smallmouth on a fly rod. And I feel like since I've, since I really focused on that, that one season, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable doing it. Um, and I find myself going when I'm going through my rotation, you know, there, there are certainly other things that I prefer to catch fish on, but I find myself when things are tough going to that Helger might fly quite a bit. So, hmm. yeah, that's uh, I don't see you fish that a ton. I, I, you know, I know you, you fish it some, um, really honestly, when we're out, um, you, you tend to stay with, uh, like moving stuff. I think those, those sort of like bottom baits, uh, probably a little more geared towards when you're not like doing a float, you know, with another person, cause you need to be anchored down and it's kind of standing still, um, for it. I have seen you use those more when we like wet waiting. Is that fair? Mm, I would say when I fish with you, I tend to power fish a lot more. So, mm-hmm. you know, with my brother, I feel because we're both fly fishing, I feel like I can slow down a little bit more, especially when we're having like a tough time of it, you know, uh, the good thing about fishing with a conventional guy in your boat is a lot of times I let Josh fish first because he can, you know, I feel like it builds confidence in the pattern you're fishing. So like if Josh is hitting fish in the middle of the water column or on top, you know, oftentimes I'll try to go to something that, you know, kind of emulates that. Um, you know, and if you go to bottom, you know, we're having a tough day. So, uh, yeah real tough yeah i would i would say and you know we do fish on bottom um i think when you're with me if i'm fishing on bottom you pick up a spinning rod a lot, a of, lot times. of times yeah yeah um and it's usually because you don't have anything tied on and you just grab one of my spinning setups sort of how it goes but it's just it's when they're on bottom i don't i do probably enjoy catching them on spinning gear or like like regular conventional gear when they're on a bottom bite, I probably enjoy it about the same catching them on the fly route or catching them on spin on gear, you know, on the bottom. So, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Um, all right. So number six for me, um, I had to whittle down this list. So I'm trying to give an accurate, so I'm going to go, um, with an evergreen, um, ff4 crankbait so that is actually a flat-sided um crankbait uh and i i i don't have i think i have two of them and it's in a white color so chris has probably seen me throw that a few times um it's usually on my crankbait setup i'm not a big crankbait guy but um at times it, it is very effective um and i uh I throw that, um, it's a, 
it's a, it's a medium depth crankbait, so it's going to go like four to six feet. So a little bit deeper. Um, and Evergreen just makes really, really good stuff. So it runs really true. Um, I throw it on a um, seven foot medium moderate legend glass St. Croix with a with a Corrado reel, and um, which is probably something we should mention what we actually throw them on. Um, my uh, my last one finesse jig. I usually usually throw that on a. Um, I have a my Ned rig rod, which is a six ten medium light uh, legend tournament um, spinning rod spinning setup. Um, and then, uh, on the, um, on the crankbait, I do use monofilament, which is uh, a little bit different. It's the only rod that I use. I run monofilament on, I believe I use 15 pound test monofilament. Um, and I really use that. I, you know, with the crankbait, uh, if you're, if you're sort of, you know, new to the game and you're wondering why someone would throw, you know, a special rod, you know, cause I, I will say I have a specific rod that's set up for cranking and that medium moderate, um, fiberglass rod, the bend is, is much like, um, more, uh, curved toward the middle of the rod. The spine is lower. And what, what happens with this crankbait, you know, when fish hit it, you don't want a real like positive hook set. You almost want like a sort of a, a, a delayed, um, a little more of a, like a, you're just kind of putting pressure on it. And, um, because otherwise you just yank the crankbait right out of their mouth. Um, so you want that sort of slow, um, pull on the hook set and really the fish a lot of times will hook themselves. And, and if you have the wrong rod, it just, you can just jerk it right out of their mouth. Um, so monofilament helps because it's stretchy. So when I get that hook set, the line is going to give some, the rod's going to give some, and you get that just nice, you know, just good, um, driving those hooks in without, you know, yanking it out of the fish's mouth. Um, so, you know, as far as when I fish that, that's, that's definitely going to be late spring, summer presentation. Um, and a lot of times I'll use a crankbait to, uh, sort of, um, cover water, um, and to see where the fish are at and what they're doing. I very rarely will I stick with the crankbait all day. It's usually more of like a, um, like an exploration bait. Um, and what I'm trying to do with that, you know, you can throw a crankbait about anywhere. You can throw it in slower water, slack water. You can throw it in fast water. Um, you, you typically are going to want to run it either parallel with the, um, uh, current or you want to run it, um, perpendicular with the current. You don't want to run it, uh, against the current. That's going to be a pretty hard thing to do. Um, you know, I would say if I would give one trick to crankbait fishing and, and a lot of guys are already going to know this, but anything that you can run that son of a bitch into run it into it, whether that be a tree, a rock, whatever, I would say 80% of the strikes that I get with crankbaits are going to be when I'm bouncing off of something. So, um, that's sort of my, uh, crankbait spiel. So evergreen FF4, but there's other ones I use too. The BX Sprat Rapala is a good one. Um, there's a couple other 
you know, even, you know, crankbaits don't have to be nice and expensive. Um, they honestly just need to have nice hooks on them and they need to run true. If they do that, that, you know, um, usually do well for you. So that is my, uh, number six. What about you, Chris? Um, number six, Umpaqua swimming frog. So mm. it's Me just like a deer. <laughs> it's just mm. a commercially tied deer hair frog. Um, and it, you know, it's deer hair, so it absorbs water and it doesn't float forever and, you know, whatever. But I just tend to get more hookups and kind of that frog take when I'm using that as opposed to, you know, I've got these other little foam frogs that I throw a lot, you know, and it's just something about that umpaqua. They, they make a big gurgle when they go under, you know, they kind of, I don't know, their big profile fly, you know, I don't know something about them, but anyways, I mean, you know, I, I think Mike Schultz was on a podcast once talking about them and I, you know, went and bought them and I always have like five or six of them in my box. So it's like the one thing I never run out of because, you know, I'm constantly changing them, uh, you know, because when they absorb enough water, they won't really float anymore, stay up. So you kind of have to, you know, you can use gink on them or, you know, you can, a lot of guys like, I think Mike specifically cuts the, cuts the weed guard off of them and puts resin on the bottom, like, you know, to kind of make sure that they're, they're weighted appropriately and they don't, they really stay a little bit more together. Uh, you know, and then he puts, he puts gink on them so they stay up longer. I definitely put, um, fly rection or, you know, some sort of gink on them so that they stay up a little bit longer, but I haven't, I've kind of gotten away from putting all the resin on the bottom. I find that if I fish like he did, like every day with clients and that kind of thing, I would probably do it, but I, I don't find that my flies are coming apart and I, I don't find that I have any, you know, waiting issues or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, it's a really productive pattern. I mean, especially when they're on an aggressive topwater you know, pattern, I find that, you know, that frog really gets them going. And also, you know, you can use a frog pretty late into fall. You know, it's a, it's a top water pattern that keeps producing later in the summer and into early fall. So I find myself when I'm really craving that kind of, you know, top water bite, I find myself trying to throw it on, especially like late October, early November, like after the terrestrial bites kind of gone away. Um, and I also fish, it's one of the first topwater patterns I, patterns I fish in the spring. So, yeah, I'd check them out, grab some. I just buy them. They're too hard to tie. So, hmm. what, uh, what setup are you throwing those on? So, they're heavier. So, definitely, like, if you've got a, you know, I, I like to do a lot. I've, a lot of my smallmouth fishing these days is with a six weight. Um, and I, I always try and, and cast that fly on a seven weight at a minimum. So it's just heavy, and especially when it gets some water uh, on it, it's, it's a heavier pattern for sure. So seven, eight weights, eight weight would be perfect for it. Hmm. All right. Floating line. Um, and, and really, like, I, I always tend to still run uh, like a nylon leader, you know, so... You've got a little bit, you don't have the weight of the line dragging the fly down. So, you know, I run, I think on the frog, I, 
you know, I always run it out a little heavier, you know, like a, a 15, 16 pound uh, piece of tippet, but hmm. yep. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So number five for me, um, we're going to go with uh, the Lee Bailey baby buzz bait, um, which in 20, 2020, this would have been a top three for me. Um, but last year, again, you know, the top water bite, it just wasn't, um, wasn't doing it. Um, but I did still have some luck on that. And what I'll say about this bait is it is a, a very small, um, uh, profile buzz bait as a small prop blade on it and i'm not sure what's you know i'm sure there's a number size blade but it, it is small one thing it does have is it has a, a thick um frame wire frame it's not it's way thicker than like what you would think for that that profile buzz bait and the hook is really nice and big um and i typically do run a trailer on it so i'll run anything from you know sometimes i'll put like a little grub on it um and other times I'll run like a smaller paddle tail swim bait. It can't take like the big one. So I'll like throw like a, you know, two and a half inch instead of like a 3.8, um, which I do on my spinner baits. I'll talk about in a little bit, but, um, those are, uh, really for smallmouth, you know, river smallmouth. I, you know, not always, but a lot of times a little bit smaller presentation does better. And that's a perfect, um, buzz bait. Um, and, and I, you know, I say that smaller is better only in certain circumstances. And a lot of time that's going to be in low, clear water. And, um, it happens a lot with small mouth. So I throw that, you know, not just when you would typically throw top water, but more when it's low and clear out. That's sort of my time when I'm really going to try to focus on that. It's just really subtle. It doesn't make a lot of noise. A lot of times the hit the hits on them are not very aggressive. You'll get a lot of like almost like sips on them. Um, so I almost think they think it's a little bug, you know, kind of crawling across the water. It's that small. Um, I throw that particular one on a, a six foot eight inch uh, Saint Croix Avidex medium action rod, medium fast, um, with a uh, Shimano Corrado. Uh, so buzz baits, you always want to throw with a casting reel. You don't want to throw with a spinning reel. Um, you can throw with a spinning reel, probably not the best tool for the job. Um, and then color wise, I usually will stick. Well, I have three colors. I have like a black, you know, if it's maybe, um, you know, I'm wanting a little more contrast, maybe a little, little cloudier water. Um, and then I have mostly, I throw a little bluegill color and a white sort of my two ones that I usually throw and then trailer colors, usually whatever I have in my box. So, um, that's number five, uh, Lee, Lee Bailey. I don't know who Lee Bailey is, but he, thank uh, you. Lee. F Lee Bailey. Was a, F Lee Bailey was a famous lawyer. So maybe it was him. Maybe possibly. Lee Bailey was, he was on OJ Simpson's, uh, defense team. Nice. There well, you, you can get oh. you can get those on a at tackle warehouse. So great lawyer, great crankbait guy. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Lee. Uh, uh, all right, number five uh, for me is I'm just gonna go with a bunny leech. Um, 
So, or, or I guess not really a bunny leech, but any, any leech pattern, which is, um, I fish it a lot early, like March, February, like, I guess like first signs of spring and I only fish it in black. Um, I prefer to, I tie my own. I usually use, I usually use zonker like a rabbit. Um, but you can have, you can make them with squirrel. Um, you know, but I like the ones I like, I usually tie mine with black, you know, a rabbit zonker and I tie, um, some silicon legs into it and some thick, um, like EP brush to form the body of it. It really doesn't have to be super fancy. A lot of times, especially on a leech, I'll tie a, a rattle into it. Um, but it's a very, very effective fly for early season. It's one of kind of the first fly that I start trying where there's a little bit of movement involved. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. I just, I think they're most effective in that kind of like March into like early April time frame. I, it's one of the first ones I go to that time of year. So when you're getting out for those first couple trips of the year, you know, and it's not, it's not warm. You don't know if they're going to be wintered up, if they're going to be, you know, if they've moved out or whatever, those trips I typically try, um, a leech pattern. And I always fish leeches on a, on a floating line. I think a lot of guys do them with, you know, like an intermediate or whatever, but I always fish them on a, on a floating line and I fish them um, typically, a, you know, just a regular nine foot liter fluorocarbon, 12 pound. Um, and I fish them with either a six weight or a seven weight. It doesn't really matter, but yeah, that's it. What do you think that's like closest resembles in the conventional world? Um, that's a good question. And probably, honestly, the way that I tie the leeches that I fish it probably resembles the first, you know, like a Z-Man finesse jig with like a TRD trailer on it. Honestly, you could probably put those things next to each other and they probably, you could probably barely tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the materials that I tie my flies with necessarily act the same way underwater, but I would say that the profile and the size and what they're trying to kind of imitate, I would say are pretty similar. But all black, okay. you know, I only do black on those. So, okay, all right. Um, so, and, and, and are they're, those also good, on, they're also good winter flies. Are those so. on bottom then? Yeah, fish them pretty close to bottom. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you can get just like with anything else, you can get hits on, you know, when they're sinking or whatever. But you you try and fish them pretty close to bottom. Okay, all right. I like it. Um. All right, so we on number four? Yes. All right, number four for me, um, two topwaters in a row. Um, this is probably my favorite topwater bait uh, currently. Uh, it's the Evergreen Shower Blow 105. Um, so this is a walk the dog style bait. Um, similar to, you know, a spook. Um it's basically a, it's a Japanese mm-hmm. spook, so better in every way, very honorable. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. But, uh, you know, I would say a couple things about it. Uh, one, it sits in the water at like a 45 degree angle, and it's it's sort of, 
it's oblong shape, but it has like a thicker butt and a narrower front. Um, and it has like two little, um, two little like, uh, lips at the front. So when you, one, it's really easy to walk the dog with it. It, it's way easier than like a spook. And when you sort of jerk it and, and work it back, when it goes side to side, those front lips sort of spit water, uh, right and left. So, and as a feathered treble on the back as well. Um, so it's, it's their smaller version. I don't know if it's the smallest. Uh, actually I think they may have like a 90, but this is a, the 105. Um, and it's, it's heavy enough. You can throw it, you can throw it with like my medium heavy setup, but I, I typically will throw that with the same outfit that I threw the baby buzz bait with that six, eight avid X. Um, but it's, it's just as one of those baits that when it's not, I'll say this, a lot of times when you're throwing a walk the dog bait, you're going to get hits on the pause. It's just sort of how the game is. And that bait looks really good when it's not, when you're not working it because of that feather treble and the way it sits in the water, it just, um, it looks good and you get a lot of strikes when it's just sitting there not doing anything. Um, so you know, you could plug and play probably any walk the dog bait into this list for me because I really like throwing them. Um, and it forces you to slow down. You can't work them real fast. That's the other thing I like about them. Um, uh, the hooks on the evergreen bait are about probably the sharpest hooks of it, like sharpest and they stay sharp for a long time of any lure that I've ever thrown. Like they will, you know, you use it for a full season they'll feel just as sharp as the first day you bought it. Um, and it's a, got three trebles on it. So I know there's probably some people that wouldn't like that. Um, that has three trebles on it because we get a lot of, do a little damage to the fish sometimes, but, um, you don't miss a lot of fish with it. I'll put, put it that way. Um, when they hit it, it's, it's game I don't over. think that that's going to help your case. <laughs> uh, you don't miss a lot of fish. As soon as they touch it, they're completely mangled. Uh, yeah, they're not mangled, but they, I mean, I, I say the hooks are sharp though. Cause it just be, you know, a treble hook is like, you can, you miss more fish on treble hook baits than you do anything, but these are just so freaking sharp. I've hooked myself with them several times. Not luckily nothing bad but um but yeah evergreen shower blow 105 i do uh i use a couple different colors of that i don't know that it matters that much on top water with colors but i i i tend to go more of like a clear like a translucent um you know lighter color with those baits you know anything like black if i'm gonna throw something black like that i'm gonna usually throw something a little like faster moving I'm not going to be thrown something that sits there like that. And they're going to stare at. So anyways, that's my number four. Well done, dude. Um, so number four for me is a tough one. Like, you know, we talked about this, uh, you know, I think a while back, I really just haven't found like a, a crayfish pattern that I'm absolutely like in love with, you know, something that I'll go to every time. Um, all of them I've found have just been, there's something about him that I don't know what it is. I just haven't really found the, the magic bullet yet. 
Um, but this year, I'll just give you the one that I used, you know, this year. I used more this year than, you know, than any other crayfish pattern. I did throw the craw changer quite a bit. So Is that it's it? pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty good. It's, it's probably a very expensive, uh, time-consuming fly to be fished on bottom. You lose a lot of bottom flies. You know, and this is one that you want down near the bottom. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to stomach the idea of trying to bottom bounce a fly that takes you 45 minutes to tie or bottom bounce a fly that costs you $13 to buy. So, you know, I don't know. But regardless, that's what I fished with. And I caught a lot of fish with it. And it is very productive. So, you're so so freaking pretentious, dude. Just fishing on bottom with thirteen dollar flies. I mean, for real, that's what it feels like. I mean, you you do lose a lot of them. I mean, you lose, you know, any any fly because you have less sensitivity and you have less capacity to sort of pop the fly out of a, a spot where you're hung up, like you do with, you know, tight line conventional gear. You can kind of, you know, there's a lot of different tricks that you can cause that you know, lure to bounce out of a, of a wedge or whatever, but with a fly rod, you really don't have that same connection to the fly. So it's, you can't really pop your fly rod like you can a conventional rod. You can't really, you know, there, there are very limited numbers of tricks to become unhung, especially from the bottom. Um, but yeah, these flies, I mean, these changer craw flies are, are pretty effective. Um, you know, I, Especially like, you know, I find when they're tumbling that, you know, that's probably not the time when they're shining, but if you're fishing them, you know, in kind of slower water, I do feel like it elicits more of a reaction than other crayfish patterns I've tried. So it's a, um, Blaine chocolate fly. You know, I don't know if he's the one that I, I'm assuming he is, I guess, but cause he, it's built on that concept the the changer concept which is that it's just a like a articulated multi you know articulated fly it's got multiple like joints in it so it's it has more of a you know a lifelike movement to it so okay i think i've seen that's probably what i remember more than anything non uh you know, outside of the stuff you throw all the time that I, I do remember you seeing have, have one of those tied on. Yeah. And the, I mean, they're good. I mean, the, the ones that I was fishing with are all, you know, their feather is the base material, you know, heavy dumbbell eyes. And then the pinchers, a lot of times, you know, guys will tie them with like a little bit of foam in them so that they kind of do sit up in a fighting stance. Um, You know, they're very, they're very, they're very effective. I mean, you know, I, I got a lot of takes on them, like on a strip, you know, so something about the way they move, you know, I think does kind of, it gives it a little bit of a lifelike feel to it. So, hmm, and I, I fish those just with a stand. I, there's nothing fancy about the way I fish them. I don't fish them. I certainly don't fish them under a, a strike indicator. Um, you know, but I fish them just with a fluorocarbon leader, you know, 30 to 12 pound taper on a fluorocarbon leader with, 
you know, because it's a bottom bait and I do need it to hang there a little bit longer. I'll say that I typically do fish them with a little bit longer of a leader, you know, probably 12 foot. So there you go. Hmm. Good stuff. So the changer curl yep. is number four. All right. Number three for me, and this was a tough one. Um, I think most people can guess my number one. So um, the, the number two and number three were very interchangeable for me. Um, you, you know, I'll tell you why the, the number two kind of jumped this. If you would have asked me, you know, three months ago, I would have, wouldn't have put it in my top three, but it sort of jumped it. Um, but number three, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use this as a more of a general term, but is a spinnerbait. Um, and I would say a couple things about a spinnerbait. One, if I was out to catch uh, the biggest fish I could, like one top-end fish, this would be the lure. I, and I could only bring one lure, this would be it. Um, it is a big fish-catching lure. Um, and I use really only use a couple different kinds, maybe three um, different kinds. Um, but most of the time when I'm throwing a spinnerbait, Chris will attest, I throw pretty big spinnerbaits. I'm not throwing the little weenie spinnerbaits. Um, so I'm throwing anywhere from, I think most of the time I'm, I'm a three eighths ounce guy. Um, every once in a while I'll throw a half and I throw them on a, um, seven foot medium heavy, um, Avid X, um, with the St. Croix Corrado K. Um, 200, uh, and I throw in usually, I think I throw a 40 pound braid on that one. Um, with a, uh, you know, depending on, I will throw a fluorocarbon leader sometimes on those if it's clear water. Um, and that would only be with one type of spinner bait. So that would be like a white double willow leaf spinner bait. That's more like my, I would say my clear water, clearer water spinner bait. Um, and I, I sort of fancy the accent river specials. Those are my favorite, um, uh, brand of spinnerbaits. Um, probably my favorite one of spinnerbait. And, and I will say I throw spinnerbaits more in the springtime than I do any other, anything else. I, I mean, I would say even more so than my number one, I probably throw a spinnerbait, um, like exclusively in the spring. And the one that I really like, it's actually a, uh, an, a, another accent. It's a Jacob Wheeler um, special rivers accent river special, and it has a little orange kicker blade on it. And I believe the um, so the kicker blade's an Indiana blade, and I think the uh, main blade is like a gold Colorado blade. And it's got uh, sort of like a uh, a chartreuse and white skirt. It's just, dude, it's a deadly combo. Like, it's a really, it looks really good in the water. Um, now, I will throw in, like, really muddy water. I'll switch over to a black, uh, black on black or black and red sort of spinnerbait. Uh, and the if, if it's muddy water, when I say muddy, I mean less than a foot of visibility. Um, I will switch over to it all dark. So that's sort of the third of, like, three variations, you know, like clear water, double will leaf white, you know, medium, dirty to cloudy water. 
that sort of white and chartreuse with the orange kicker blade. And then dirty water would be my black, black and red single Colorado blade. And really the biggest difference is, you know, between three is just water clarity. Um, I'll say about spinnerbait, it covers a ton of water. So like you can use it as a search bait. Same thing as I was saying about a crankbait, you want to bump it off stuff. So I would say even more so than rocks, like wood spinnerbaits, uh, um, they shine around wood. So if you have a fishery or river that you're fishing that has a lot of like trees in it, um, spinnerbaits, they, they navigate cover really well. So you can run them right up next to something and bump it off of it. And, um, I would recommend bumping it off of everything that you can. Um, and like I said, it's just a big fish bait. I mean, you know, I remember one story, um, Chris, one of your 20 inches you caught the spring, um, Derek was talking to me about it and he was like, you know, give Chris credit. He just stuck with that spinner bait. And, yeah. uh, well, to be fair, Derek was just admiring the fact that I hadn't switched baits within the last 10 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> like yeah. you just keep throwing that one bait. Like, yes, for more than 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Up, and it does 15 minutes. Yeah. And the springtime is one of those times where, you, you know, numbers can be down, but you know, those big fish pre-spawn fish are out roaming around and a dude, I mean, a, a, a good spinnerbait strike is it's hard to beat like, and it's usually not visual. All right. Let's go. Way, let's go, dude. We're, we're, we're an hour and 20 minutes into this. Nobody wants to hear about her. No, uh, no, 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 they do. They do. They do. But a spinnerbait hit, dude, is there's something about it. You have to agree with me. When they hit a spinnerbait, it's it's pretty it's pretty dynamic. So now that Chris has cut me off and told me that my <laughs> time limit's up, um, dude, I'm, I'm gonna, playing the music. I'm, gonna, except, I'm, I'm playing gonna, the music. Get off the stage, dude. You accept your award dude, and get off the stage, dude. Dude, people like this stuff. Don't don't be don't be trying to cut me off. So. All right. That's my that's my number three, Chris. What's your number three? My number three is a newer fly to the rotation. I would say in the last three years, the last two years for sure. Um, old Mister Wiggly, dude, he's he's coming to save us all. He's a terrestrial pattern that can be fished when they're not necessarily just sipping. It's a eight-legged freak that sits on the top of the water and just gets munched so that's it if you're not fishing it buy some i like the black with the purple legs check it out that's you all fish that in clear water though mostly yeah i mean i would say definitely clear water is the only time i'll really put it on but you know, you, you run into that a lot. I mean, you know, starting in July around here, the water starts really getting clear, you know, and it stays clear until October. So there's plenty of opportunities to fish that thing. And, you know, I, I'll say that, uh, you know, other than the fly, which will, which will rain, either rain supreme or be number two, it's probably the fly I I caught a lot of fish on this, this year. Hmm. I, they were just, uh, 
it's something about them. You know, you don't really, you can move them and the legs give it enough movement where you don't have to dead drift it like you do other terrestrial patterns. Like you can move this one and the legs just give it enough, enough action when you're moving on top of the water slowly that it gets eaten like a moving topwater bait. You can dead drift it like a regular terrestrial, you know, they're, they're very, uh, so they're somewhat dynamic, but it's just something about that big profile. You know, it's, it's not as loud as a popper. It's not as, it's not as finesse as like your hopper patterns or whatever. It's somewhere in the middle and they love it. And I fish it with a long leader, 12 foot at least. I fish it on a five or a six weight. And, you know, it's kind of one of those flies that, you know, you, you, you can cast it a long way. I mean, it's foam, it's light, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good, man. It's dynamic. Check it out. Yeah. My brother likes the white. My brother fishes the white. Like that's all he fishes in the summer now. Like he, he will go to white old Mr. Wiggly like right away. Uh, I like the black ones. So. Yeah. And that's one thing, you know, I would say that, you know, being a smallmouth guy for a while now that surprised me um, after I fished for a few years is if you really pay attention when they're out on the water, these smallmouth eat, they eat bugs all the freaking time. And like, you think of smallmouth as like the super aggressive, like, you know, like they're picking off crayfish from the bottom or they're eating bait fish. Like, man, they freaking, if you pay attention, dude, they love some little, little floating bugs. And every once in a while too, you'll catch one and it'll cough up a bunch of, you know, oh, yeah. it's food or whatever. And they'll cough up a handful of little invertebrates, you know, that look like, looks like they've eaten about 500 little pheasant tails, you know. We uh, had a bunch of those uh, on the tippy. Um, yeah, they're probably like little dragonfly nymphs or something like that. I don't know exactly what they are, but, you know, they eat this bug life. I mean, invertebrates, little stuff. The way that they eat, a lot of times, the way they eat that old Mr. Wiggly, I find, is they they still do sip it, even, you know, even if you're moving it. I find that you get a lot, a lot more sips with it. You know, they'll come up and just barely move the top of the water. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a really productive, good pattern. So. Yeah. And uh, seeing one sip off the top is one of the coolest things ever. If you've never experienced that, it's in certain situations where it's like super clear, it's probably the coolest. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, all right. Number two for me um, is the um, Z-Man Crawl Z um, on a Ned Locks uh, head. It's like an offset uh, wide gap um, Ned Rig head. And this sort of moved into the number two spot um, because of the winter fishing we did. Had such a good winter that, um, you know, I mean, that's really all we caught fish on uh, was that presentation. Um, And those have sort of surpassed the TRD. I think it's a good way to differentiate from the TRDs. It's more realistic like a crawl. Um, And uh, it's just the perfect little crawfish i mean really i don't know if it gets much better than that honestly i can't think of a way that they could make it better i mean it's no it's it's a 365 day 
of the year smallmouth yeah. bait. You yeah, can catch it, smallmouth it, on it any day, anytime, and almost any river where there's smallmouth, you could put one of those things on and catch catch smallmouth. So Yeah, and I'm fishing anywhere from a you know, the lightest would be like a tenth ounce uh, head all the way up to like a um I think a fifth ounce. I had some fifth ounce ones. Um, that we were throwing and I typically it just really dictates like the more current you're throwing them in um, deeper water the heavier you want you know if you if it's shallower or less current you can get away with that lighter head um, that slower fall rate um, you know the way I fish them is I sort of just like fish them like you would do a traditional bottom bait you know I'm sort of dragging them along the bottom and then um, you know you'll feel that tick you know and reel down set the hook um, there's other guys, uh, Nathan Pickering tends to like, he likes to sort of bounce them along the bottom and which is very unique, almost like fishing like a crankbait or something. Um, so I, you can fish them different ways. I'm more of a traditional bottom bait guy. Um, I will say, you know, it's, it's um, you don't catch, I would say it's not a big fish bait. Can you catch big fish on it? Absolutely. Is it, uh, will you catch a lot of small fish on it? Yeah, you will. But you will almost always catch fish on it. Like, if I'm having a bad day and I'm not catching fish, if you put that, like, you will catch fish with that. And in about any condition. Like Chris said, it's a 365-day-a-year bait. And in the wintertime, it, it really is the go-to for me. And uh, What's your favorite color, sure. dude? Uh, should we tell him? <laughs> I think we should. Um, my favorite color is molting crawl. And I'd say that's Chris's favorite. Um, so, uh, and you know, what I throw it on, I, I will say I always have a fluorocarbon leader with these and I'm not throwing these in any sort of like muddy conditions. You know, you gotta have at least, I would say a foot and a half to two foot of visibility minimum for these throwing on a six, eight or six ten medium light, uh, legend tournament with, uh, usually at least a five foot fluorocarbon leader. Um, but it's a fish catching machine. I mean, you know, Nedrig, people say, oh yeah, Nedrig, you know, whatever. I mean, you can say what you want about it, but literally smallmouth freaking love them. And that's all there is to say about it. So, yeah, I mean, because of what I like to do more, I find my, I fish that more than any other conventional bait. Um, the, the crawzy, I mean, I fish that thing we used to fish the rage tail crawl a lot on like a shaky head, which is still very, a very good solution for that same problem. It's a, you know, it's weedless. It has the same action on it. You know, it's, it's got, it's the same, the same issue. It's the same thing, but the crawl, the Z man products just, they've got such endurance on them. I mean, you can catch a hundred smallmouth on the same one, you know, and, Boy, I mean, that thing is just, it's dynamite. I literally, like I said, I can't think of a single way they could improve that, that bait. Yeah. Z-Man, they've, geez, they've freaking taken over the soft plastic market. It's three, it's a little three inch. I mean, you can fish them in any color you want. We like the molting crawl. I don't know. I mean, I find the molting crawl outfishes everything else pretty significantly. So take that or leave it. That's just in our river systems, but. Um, so my number, my number three, oh wait, number, number two. two, number two, 
this is this is very I'm going to let the drama build a little bit. All right. So this year is the number 2 fly is going to be the small white game changer. Finesse Boom. changer. It's done. Uh yeah, I wouldn't really call it a finesse changer. I just call it smaller single hook you know probably three to four inches long um yeah that's what i fished with a lot and i fished them you know just a loop knot uh you know seven to nine foot leader you know at least 12 pound all fluorocarbon leader i like i prefer to fish them on an intermediate full intermediate um you know, on a six, I like fishing the small ones because you can still cast them pretty easily on a six weight. Um, you can definitely cast them on a seven weight too, but you know, I, I don't know, like this year for whatever reason, I think, you know, we typically find ourselves fishing those bigger game changers in the spring. Uh, this spring was a little complicated by, um, clear water. So we had, we really didn't have a lot of rain this spring. We had clear, cold water. So I found myself downsizing way earlier than I normally do. You know, you had to. I mean, it was like gin clear water all through April. So, you know, I was fishing those smaller size streamers earlier than I normally do. And, you know, we really never got on like a big swim fly bite this year. I mean, I, I can't think of a single trip where we went out and cast you know, five to six inch game changers all day or five to six inch swim flies of any kind. So, you know, most days we were going out and fishing streamers. The water was clear enough that we were fishing those downsized, you know, uh, you know, either tan colored or white game changers. So, and, uh, yeah, man, that's it. Number two. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, I think people can probably guess my number one uh, lure, uh, but we're going to talk about it for a couple minutes anyways. I'll keep it brief. This is a super fluke, Zoom super fluke. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I rig, I have a dedicated rod for this seven foot medium um, fast spinning rod. And I, I use a spinning rod specifically because I like to skip them a lot. And, uh, you know, if you ever go out with me, you'll see me freaking skipping flukes all day long. It's just what I like to do. I get them in. I'm, I, I would say there's one thing I'm elite at with fishing. It is placing a fluke in some, uh, obscure places. I can get go, it. Dude. I can get it about anywhere. And I'm very good with that rod. Um, you know, we've had episodes where we've talked about the fluke, but, you know, I do rig it nose hooked. So if anybody wants to get a particular visual on that, I can send you a picture. Um, but uh, I keep it pretty simple. I'm a pearl white guy, you know, probably 90% of the time, 80% of the time. And then, you know, I will alternate to like a albino shad, which is sort of a clear. From, from pure white to just slightly yeah. off white <laughs> yeah uh well the albino shad's kind of like a it's almost like a translucent and it has a blue tint to it um i did uh discover that they make jet black flukes which i didn't even know they made and i bought like 20 packs of them 
I did use those some this year. I can't say that I had a lot of success, but I did catch some fish on it. And the idea was like in really dirty water, I was going to try to fish those. They sort of, you know, contrast to the mud. I did catch some fish on them. I, I, I didn't do as well as I do a lot uh, of times. And similar to the, the game changer for Chris, you know, for me, it's uh, one of those things that a fluke, the reason why it's number one is one, you know, I've sort of fish it so much that I, I can fish it really effectively. And I sort of have like almost, you know, you get in the zone with something and you just have a feel for it, like a crankbait or whatever you're throwing, you just sort of throw it just a little bit differently. And you start to subconsciously throw it a certain way that where the fish are eating it. I can do that with a fluke. I would say most of the time I'm throwing it, um, a slower pace, letting it sink, let get a lot of takes on the fall, um, like an injured sort of bait fish. But he's just so versatile. I mean, you can use it anywhere from like early spring all the way. You know, I've even caught him in wintertime dead sticking it. So I, I can't say I use it very much past October. But, um, dude, freaking fluke, dude. Can you beat it? I don't think so. The answer is pretty no. good. All right, dude. Number one fly this year, no doubt. Booglebug Black. It was Brood X. Those things were unbelievable through the month of June and into early July. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, like grass carp, smallmouth. I mean, they were just everything was looking up for like a month and a half, and they wanted stuff in that that looked like that. I mean, just a little black, you know, cicada. That's what you're pretty much throwing out there for them. So, and it's, it's always in the top three, top two or top three. I mean, even on years where you don't have brood X, it's just a, such a productive fly. I mean, you can dead, dead drift them. You can, you know, pop them, do little pops. I mean, you can do a lot of different, you know, top water presentations with that thing. And they're durable. They've got good hooks on them. You know, there's, they're really, as far as topwater, you know, as far as poppers go, there's just nothing better than the boogle bug. So for me this year, that was it, man. Hands down. So. Yeah. And I will say one thing I learned about the cicada hatch, which we won't brood whatever the next like hatches is like seven years from now or whatever 17 um, is it 17 holy yeah. shit uh we're gonna be old we're gonna be old sons of bitches in 17 years dude. 51 years old dude dang well if we're if we can reference back to this podcast and remember um you know what i thought was weird about it is those cicadas were not everywhere they were like in yeah. like they're in like patches. Um, and if you weren't in an area where there's a bunch of them, they, I, did, I didn't fish a lot of areas where there was a bunch of them, where I thought there would be a bunch. Um, I would went and I wouldn't see any or I wouldn't hear any. But like where Chris had some of his, he had like a couple weekends where he just freaking slayed them. And uh, it was like they were just everywhere down there. Yeah, and um, then we went one time like, I think it was a wade maybe. I don't remember. It wasn't like an all-day trip, but we were like, dude, the last three trips we've been on have been crazy. We got to go again. So we went to a new spot thinking, you know, that it had 
you know, I don't really know if it's the correct term, but I think riparian zone, you know, that comes all the way up to the river, you know, where you've Mm -hmm. got vegetation and trees and things that kind of, it's not improved ground that comes right up to the river. It's, it's, you know, unimproved forest land or whatever. And so we went to a few spots where that was like pretty prevalent and we just didn't hear them, you know, and, and as a result, like the fishing was pretty subpar. So I think that there was probably like, if there was a tagging program or something like that, you know, with, with smallmouth here in Indiana, so you could see how they moved. I would venture to say that a lot of smallmouth were moving a lot, a lot more this year than they have in years past. I think they're moving up into those areas where, you know, uh, those, those cicadas were falling and, you know, because when the, in the areas where we hear, we where we heard cicadas, we were catching a lot of fish in areas where we didn't hear a lot of cicadas. We weren't catching fish. Um, yeah, it was weird. And I remember whenever we sort of that, that chatter around that brood X started coming around, we were sort of like scoffing at it a little bit. We're a little like, bit. Yeah. yeah. Until okay, Andrew, Andrew, big shouts on the podcast tonight, bud. Uh, yeah. Andrew kind of told us to, you know, it was like, oh, this is actually going to be a little different, you know, and it was, yeah. it was very different. It changed it, in many ways. It changed our fishing season drastically. I would say the two biggest influences on how our fishing season went were the dry spring that we had, which was very weird. Uh, I haven't really seen any spring quite like it where we had cold, clear water all through spring, just about. And Brood X. I mean, it really threw threw us for a loop there. So, yeah, dude. Tough, man. Well, thanks well, everybody for good... listening. I mean, an hour and thirty seven yeah. minutes of just. I bet you people are gonna love this podcast. This episode, focused, I, I have a feeling. One hundred percent focused smallmouth content, dude. Dude, we're freaking. We're in the trough of sorrow right now, dude. We're like. Wow. Right in the middle of January, dude. This is about the worst time of literally. It it is the worst time of year, and my birthday's tomorrow. Oh, and it is. Birthday. Yeah, I'm gonna be fifty two. <laughs> I'm. Look I look it. pretty young for fifty two. <laughs> you look it. <laughs> uh, All right. Thanks everybody for listening, man. I'm. I'm really looking forward to. You know, we got like seventy days left, so. Let's we'll gut it. it out, dude. We gotta gut, gut it, it out. out. Thanks All everybody right, for listening. Good, and as always, free the fighter, dude. Free the fighter.